This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Most Valuable Sports Podcast. Brandon Worth here, joined as always by the not-so-average Joe Nagy. What's happening, my friend? Oh, I'm having a blast, man. It's Labor Day. We're back in the studio grinding out some content. Had a great weekend. Got to see some family. Got to go on a little bit of a trip. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, a little bit of a trip. I mean, you got to go watch the Purdue Boilermakers oh, yeah. play. That's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty great atmosphere down there. It was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It was a great game. I know we'll cover some college football here later as well as MLB and Ferris Sports. State sports, as well as an interview. Who do we have as our interview for the first of season three, Joe? We got Maddie Dickens. I mean, you'll probably hear my intro anyways, but we got Maddie Dickens, senior uh, senior soccer player, uh, coming on the show later. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. But before we start out, huge thanks to our first ever partner of the show, Eagle Village Incorporated. They are a great place to make an impact on the lives of youth, a mission opportunity very close by. Make sure that you go to eaglevillage.org to learn more. They are hiring folks um, part-time full-time starting at $15 an hour if you want to get in on this opportunity make sure to go to eaglevillage.org but without further ado we swing you to the interview joining us in the studio today Maddie Dickens senior on the Ferris State soccer team Maddie thank you so much for coming on the show Thank you for having me. Yeah, we know the soccer season's heating up, and it's been oh, a little bit of a hectic time. Get your first two games in, but how's it, how's it been so far? How's it been being back on the field again? I think it's been a lot of fun. It's been nice to be able to um, just finally mesh together and see how we are going to do in a competitive environment other than just playing each other, and I think it's been really exciting, and we've found a lot of really good niches, and we've also exposed a lot of areas where we can have a lot of improvement, and I think we've already fixed a lot of those problem areas which is awesome to see so very cool very cool i know a lot of anticipation you know been building up over the summer you've had a shorter off season uh, than you guys are used to were there any changes kind of getting your body recuperated and kind of uh, getting refreshed for this season um i think normally just because it is a shorter off season in the longer off season i can kind of take a little bit more of a break and let my body recuperate a little bit more mm-hmm. but with this off season i had to keep up a little bit more with like running and lifting and I feel like this season more than ever I wanted to make sure that especially since I'm a fifth year senior like my body's been through a lot already so I had to make sure that I was going to be ready to go this season so I think a lot of it was like nutrition and just taking care of my body and listening to it and Mm -hmm. so it was just a lot more I feel like mental readiness for this season yeah I think I think that's a like it's a full horizon of every athlete is kind of going through like this this last year was mentally one of the most straining years you can have as an athlete going through all of this COVID stuff but um fortunately you were able to come back here this this is your fifth year (laughs) fifth year senior but uh, I know you're in the pre-med program and um how is how's that been overall tackling with with COVID and being an athlete because that's that's a pretty tough major (laughs) just without being a regular student, let alone being a student athlete? Um, It's been a lot this summer. I actually took the MCAT over the summer and studying for that while making sure I was training for the season. There was a lot to balance this summer, but I feel like I can breathe finally again, which is nice considering that we're in season now. So I want to be Mm -hmm. able to put all my focus into soccer and it's my last season or season semester of (laughs) school. So I think that I feel like I have a lot of weight lift off my shoulders. So it's been easier to focus on just taking care of what needs to be done this season and seeing how far we can get. Yeah, you've reached kind of like the climax. Now you're at the plateau a little bit. So yeah. first game last Thursday didn't have the outcome that everybody was hoping for with the loss. But what's your approach to the next game now that you've got yourself a lot of opportunities to score on that Thursday game, getting the win on Saturday, and now you're going to be going to uh, Ashland uh, later this week? Um, I think it definitely rattled us Thursday. I don't think that that was the outcome that any of us were expecting. I mean, obviously it was disappointing, but we just really weren't expecting it. I feel like... The team, you know, we didn't exactly click in the first half, and then we made adjustments at half, and I think we played really, really well the second half, and the goals just weren't coming. And that was really frustrating, and on Saturday, we just kind of all sat down, and we were like, this doesn't define us. We're going to move forward and become better after this. And on Saturday, or I guess it was Friday, we mm-hmm. worked through all of those kinks, and on Saturday, obviously, we put it together and found that last piece of the puzzle. And awesome. so coming into... Um, this game against Ashland on Friday. I'm very excited because we've never beaten them at their home field. And now that we've figured out how to fix those kinks and we're starting to click a little bit better, I'm really excited to see what's in store for us. 
Yeah, absolutely. I could I could believe that. But I know, like, obviously we mentioned that the Finley game was rough. I mean, had 30 shots, none of them on net. But um, I've noticed on the um, your side of the ball as defense, um, having that um, shot number go down from Thursday to Saturday, going from eight with Finley and then three from Lindenwood. What were some of the adjustments that you made? Was it just as far as how Lindenwood's scheme worked and not getting as many shots? Or was there something thoroughly put an emphasis on Friday to r- translate it over to Saturday? Um, defensively, I think that it was just staying composed as a team and making sure that we work together rather than as separate units and I think that that comes with a new team and you're getting to know each other and stuff and we're finding new positions and so like I said I think we've figured out a lot of those kinks and you know it's hard to fix those in the course of a game but afterward we were able to be like hey remember this moment we need to fix this here and I Mm -hmm. think we fixed a lot of those on Saturday and that's why we were able to figure out just how to find the balance in between working together and working separately so I think that, you know, with me and whoever plays in front of me on the wing, I figured out how to tell them where to go and help them best succeed, achieve as, like, defense. And I think we worked a lot better against Lindenwood because they played soccer a little bit cleaner than I think Finley did. No shade on Finley. But. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, no shade, I guess. Uh, I, guess. I mean, we could, you know, on the football side, too. Uh, yeah, I, don't I know, guess It's so. pretty similar. So. <laughs> All right. uh, last year, a uh, team was able to dethrone Grand Valley for like, the first time in a lot of years to win the GLIAC championship. Uh, close finish at the end of the year, those top three teams being within one and a half games of each other. You have a pretty strong start now with Lindenwood, like we were talking about. Uh, what are you guys kind of, what's in the conversations now as, like we said, you're playing Ashland, you're going to have some tough competition coming up. Uh, just what's kind of in that conversation? as to getting ready to have a continued strong start? I think that part of that strong start is our coach always talks about once our foot's on the gas pedal, we can't let up and hit the brakes. We have to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Mm -hmm. And once we score, we typically score in bunches. So it's Mm -hmm. for us, it's about getting the first goal because we know once the first one comes, they'll all come. It's just getting that first goal. So I think a lot of our focus coming up on these next few games where it's going to be a little bit maybe tougher competition and teams that we faced in the past that were a little bit tougher I think it's just really about starting off strong and getting that first goal in because we know that our confidence just skyrockets as soon as we get that first goal yeah our coaches tell us that coaches tell him that they scared that they're scared of us sometimes because once we score one typically more are going to come so it's I think a big focus for defending us is making sure we don't score that first goal so that's basically what we want to do yeah I I mean I know um for my various soccer experience in high school I mean I know one thing we always talked about was a three minute rule it was always if another team scores lock down for three minutes because that's the most vulnerable time you are because that's the part you're down but um, the next couple games are super I mean we just talked about Ashland I know you guys are going to have a non-conference against Walsh and then Wisconsin Parkside, Purdue Northwest, Northwood, all of which on the road. Gleak, what in the world is that scheduling? But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna get through it. But um, what what is overall your mindset going in now that we've had you've had a couple games on the home turf here in Big Rapids? Now you're gonna be traveling a little bit. What's necessarily the mindset in difference compared to being on or being on the road as opposed to being here at home? I think it's definitely like exciting, like when you get to have like your home field advantage. But we have such a strong family and friends support system. So many of our families travel to go to these away games, and so I think mostly it's just not getting psyched out by the different fields that we're playing on. Like some of them are smaller, some of them are bigger. It's turf, it's not turf, it's grass, mm-hmm. it's dead grass, it's patchy, it's hilly, and so it's just making sure that we're staying flexible and adapting to whatever circumstances are thrown at us. Yeah. Do you guys ever, I mean, I don't know if Ashland has a turf field or not, but do you kind of like switch between the two fields, grass and turf, like the week before to prepare? I think that's definitely one of our biggest advantages as a Mm -hmm. team is the fact that we have a facility that's grass and turf. And so like this weekend we play um, Ashland and Walsh and they're both on turf. And so we're going to be practicing on turf all week. And so Mm -hmm. we're prepared going into the weekend. And I think that's, like I said, one of our biggest advantages and Mm -hmm. we get to adjust as we go throughout the week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and with that, oh, sorry, no, with, that, with, that, with that road stretch, it's going to be a lot of time on the bus. What do you and the teammates kind of do uh, to really pass the time, especially with those ones where you're going up to Michigan Tech, Northern Michigan, up in the UP, where it's going to be like those nine, ten-hour car rides? Um, it's probably not as exciting as you would think. I, it's a lot of eating, a lot of sleeping. And Understandable. Honestly, I feel like it's not like we play games as much. I think we'll just, like, whoever you're sitting next to, you just kind of get into conversations, like, just about life and family and you yeah. get to know each other a lot better and it's like it's not like you're playing would you rather or truth or dare or anything yeah. like that yeah. it's just like natural conversations just kind of form organically and I think that's where a lot of bonding happens and and it's even more so when you're rooming in the hotels like you don't always know who you're going to stay with mm-hmm. and 
you can't just sit there silently. Like that's awkward. Yeah. And so yeah. you typically you make the time pass a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you'll find just things you have in common with people that you didn't realize you had in common before. And that's been one of my favorite parts of playing college soccer. Like I love the away weekends because I get to know people way more than I do staying in my apartment just mm-hmm. with my like roommates. Like I know them really well, but I don't always know everyone else on the team as well as I know yeah. them. So I really enjoy that part. Yeah, and I can test to that true or the same that there's a lot of bonding moments that can come when you're on a bus together and it, it really are some of the coolest moments that you can have with your teammates. But um Maddie, last question for you. We've we've rolled it over from the last season that we always ask every athlete on the show, what is their favorite thing about being a Ferris State Bulldog? So what would be your favorite thing? My favorite thing, I think, is, and this might be a dumb answer, but like the campus size, I love that I get to walk in between classes and I see seven teammates on my way to Star or seven teammates on my way to the business building and I get to be like, hey, and he's <laughs> like, we're like having a conversation back and forth and not even just my teammates, but classmates that I have that I'm not on the team with that I've formed relationships with and other athletes and I love the community that's formed during my time here. I feel mm-hmm. like I have like a solid group that I know I could call XYZ people and they'd be like, yep, I'll be there in a second. And I think that that's the coolest part about Ferris is that, you know, you form a family while you're here. Yeah. I think whether you're a student athlete or just a student or whatever, you have a family here and yeah. because of the size of the community. That's so an awesome that's perspective. Nice. Yeah, totally. And it's super easy, you know, just to kind of, especially campus size, you could have a class on the opposite side of campus and get to the other side in yeah. basically five minutes just because of the walk. But Maddie, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you taking time out of the schedule. I know you had a long practice. You're hungry. You want to get back home, uh, kind of get recuperated a little bit. But thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. What a great interview. Thank you so much to Maddie Dickens for joining us on the show. And if there is an athlete out there that we need to interview, football player, cross-country runner maybe, hey, I mean. I mean, you got the in with them already. I do. But if there's a Ferris State, even a coach that you'd like to hear from us, make sure you let us know at the MVSP and make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at the MVSP. But right into Ferris State sports we go. Speaking of soccer, I guess, perfect way to start, uh, a W in the winning column on Saturday, a 4 nothing win against Lindenwood. Big win, Joe. Big win, yeah, especially huge. after just a, a brutal first game against Finley that I know we should have won, but, but it felt really good to see them come back and get that revenge win on Saturday. Yeah, for sure. Finley, I know in the interview, we were saying how uh, I think there's like 30 shots or something that we took, eight on goal, and none of them were able to go through. But, I mean, we were just able to turn around against Lindenwood, especially a home to uh Zamberini, she went crazy with a hat trick yeah, and then able to just put it in the goal all the time. I mean, it's just great to see that we were able to kind of turn gears and really get ready for it. I mean, Ashland's not Gliak play, but regardless, kind of get ready to have a nice streak going and try to get down on top of the Gliak early so that way we can just kind of stay in control. Yeah, I mean, a familiar foe for sure. I mean, we've had countless runs with them in our in our conferences. Now, this is the first year they will not be with us, and I mean, they're still going to be familiar opponent. We know their players. We know their scheme. We know their coaches, so it's definitely going to be a dogfight for sure. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> but, um, I mean, absolutely. I was the the number one thing that I was going to mention was just the the amount of quality that it seemed like on Saturday compared to Thursday. Because Thursday we did a great job of putting shots up, but just some a lot of the time some of them were just I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't want I'm not going to say like they like they shouldn't have took those. Obviously, if you have a shot, take it. But uh, we definitely saw on Saturday that quality does beat quantity in a lot of the scenarios, especially when it comes to soccer. I mean, we saw Finley with only, I believe it was, eight shots in that Thursday game. Yeah. Two of them on net. One of them, unfortunately, got past Daryl Mosley and ended up going in the back of the net, giving Finley the win. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I think one thing also to, to mention is the defense definitely improved. I know we just mentioned it in Maddie's interview. Eight shots for Finley, only three for Lindenwood. That's a definite step in the right direction. Just, just being able to see um, a zero... Um, as far as um, as a goalkeeper's perspective, I mean, that's her first clean sheet. That's got to be something to be proud of because, I mean, every keeper for sure. strives for those clean sheets, and it certainly is a good feeling once you get one. Yeah, definitely. And especially after, like, you have uh, kind of the mix-up with Finley a little bit to be able to just kind of come back and have a solid go about not facing as many shots, but, I mean, still 
getting the shutout, getting the getting the zero uh, up against yourself is going to be a really good start for them, especially going to Ashland. It's going to be tough. Like Maddie said in the interview, haven't beat them at Ashland yet. But nonetheless, there's a first time for everything. So I'm pretty excited for uh, how we're going to be able to go this weekend. Yeah, I mean, just having that incentive in a non-conference game just makes it that much better. I mean, you have something you're playing yeah. for. Cause the I rivalry mean, is still there. We're yeah, not in the same conference, but rivalry is still there. Yeah, I mean, regardless that they move conferences, like, we still like we still have that. I mean, there's still some juice left in that matchup. I mean, it, with all sports, I know football is going to have them on tap next, and we'll get to that in a minute. But, I mean, it's still going to be a great game. And, I mean, these two teams uh-huh. are both powerhouse programs. We saw Ashland go pretty far last year in the tournament. So it's going to be really exciting for sure to see that matchup. But it's going to be... It's it's going to be a start here for the dogs. And as we mentioned, five game road stretch. That's pretty, that's just brutal. I just can't believe that the, the GLIAC would yeah, let it shake Gliac out like that. that go down that's because really weird. Yeah. Five in a row. It's, I mean, they're not all like, it's not like five weeks. Obviously there's going to be two, but still traveling two times a week. I mean, if you just think of it from the student's perspective, you're going to be skipping class. You're just going to have to get all your homework. It's going to be tough for them to deal with. But, I mean, they'll get through it, but it still is not a fun, definitely not a fun thing to go through. No, I mean, that's like that's like cross-country schedules. I mean, like, just going everywhere, only having, like, one home game. Like, that's 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 not what soccer is supposed to be. You're supposed yeah. to be able to play in your home field more. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, they do have a four-game home stretch later on in October, so I guess that kind of evens it out a little mm-hmm. bit. But make sure you check that game out at Ashland. I believe it is on Friday. Friday at 7 o'clock. If you're nearby, go ahead and check out your Bulldogs. Um, but moving over into um, the other side of the women's competition this weekend, we had a little tournament going on with volleyball. Um, I believe nine teams total is a tournament. But also, before we get into this, shout out to Wes Brennan. First week on the job as our new special events and athletic events coordinator. What a crazy week to start at. You got three home teams. You got to a home tournament to man. And not to men, not to mention, there was a power outage on campus. <laughs> that was bonkers. I was actually going to say, I think that was just a big rapids powder outage in general. Yeah, because my like, fridge shut off. Yeah, it was my insane. My milk went bad. Oh, my gosh. Poor milk. Did you save the cereal? I don't have any cereal. I just had like a half gallon of milk. But Oh, okay. I mean, still, my milk went bad. I have to go to the store and get more milk. No, yeah, that's that's still it's brutal. But you never had like you don't have cereal for breakfast. What'd I have cereal, for breakfast? but I I live on a budget. I'm a broke college student. With cereal? Cereal's expensive, man. Wow. Okay. I Cereal's expensive. Yeah, I guess. I guess it's like four dollars a box, okay. unless you get like the off-brand, which don't taste as good. Okay. Then what's your go- if you were to buy cereal? What's your go-to cereal? Reese's Puffs. Okay, that's fair. That is a pretty good one. I'm more of a fo- uh, Frosted Flakes guy. But well, you got to also bring it again. Not to, actually, not to go no, too far off the rails, that. but you also got to bring into the account. If you get cereal, you have to get the two gallon of milk. You can't just get the gallon. Yeah, that's very true. I, I and can the gallon, see your logic. And the two gallon of milk is like $3. Yeah, that's... So if you get going and you get to the self-checkout, it'll run up pretty fast. Yeah, that's fair. I guess I just never thought of you as just like a... I love cereal. Yeah, you just would pass up cereal, but... I like. The, I love cereal, but when it's my money that I'm spending, I don't want to buy cereal. No, I, I, I commend you for that. That is a very wise decision. I've spent too much money yeah, on cereal. I'd also say that Honey Nut Cheerios would probably be over Frosted Flakes, in my opinion. So, But anyway, volleyball is what we were talking about, I believe. But yes, <laughs> congrats to congrats to Wes Brennan on his first week. I know um, he did a great job of being in the booth and being a part of that was very fun for me. And I know Joe got to experience it from the sidelines. It was very well done. I mean, it was well done. All the games were on schedule. Everything went well. Well, regardless how many things popped up, I mean, just mentioning the power outage alone was crazy. But we did get the tournament in this weekend, and it was fantastic. The Bulldogs got four matches under their belt, three of them coming out in the W column, with the last one, unfortunately, um, resulting in a loss against Winona State in Minnesota, 3-1 to one in the championship game. But overall, very good play. Just seemed like... Just a little bit ran out by the end of it. Yeah, a couple, couple mental mistakes in the last game. Something that's easily fixable. Hey, shout out to Katie O'Connell getting the Gleak South Player of yep. the Week. That's big, congrats, uh, especially congrats. for the first week. Great job for her. Um, but, you know, you start off 3-0, and then you or you go 3-0 and throughout the weekend. You get into the final. You're a little bit drained, especially all the games on September or <laughs> on Saturday, September yes. three there on, or but uh, Friday and Saturday. It's it's pretty tough, especially since you're just kind of grinding the whole time. It's it's the first week of school that you just got under your belt, so it's a whole lot of stuff going on. And uh, 
would have been nice to end off, uh, end out the weekend with four wins, but three and one is not too shabby. Yeah, not at all. And I, I think that I know the biggest thing that popped out to me uh, was it was the errors was really kind of the mm-hmm. and and you can definitely see those coming from fatigue. Our hit percentage was a little bit down. I mean, Winona came out on an absolute. They were they came out in fuego. I mean, they won the first set, I believe, twenty five to ten. But just that that ferocity to change and come back and win game two, twenty five sixteen was huge. And then they just edged us out in two close sets down the stretch. And I think that mm-hmm. you it was just really kind of they 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 kept the fight going. They kept the fight going. They didn't they just didn't have everything to get over the top. And I know like there was some there was some key plays that were made. And then there were some that were just they just kind of missed. And that 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 just stuff that stuff happens. And I mean, especially in these non-conference opening tournaments when you're still working out the kinks. Like, I mean, we saw like we saw a lot of times where there was things you can improve on and that you see later in the season. But we just got to remember it's September and a lot of these mm-hmm. teams are still coming off of a summer of getting back into that routine, as you just mentioned, Joe, with school coming back. So all these things are correctable. And I mean, really, this is not going to sway our minds in how this team's outlook is going to be this year. It's still looking way up, way yeah. up on the trending chart. Yeah. Next game's going to be Thursday or this Thursday, September 9, at Texas Tyler. So quite the road trip that they're going to be have to taking. And then to come back uh, to play a couple more games throughout the weekend, uh, I think it's another... Yeah, they're going to be. Or at, is it all? The, is it all the way in Texas? They're going to be in a tournament in Texas. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it My looks bad. like at it's least a little weird thing on the schedule because they have like at versus and then at like kind of. Yeah, flip-flops, it does. So it does look weird. funny. I don't know how they determine the the tournament ats and aways are aways and homes already. Must but, be just like seeding from the previous but year. Yes. Volleyball Regardless, very will, excited for this Yes, weekend. volleyball will be in Tyler, Texas for a tournament coming up this weekend from the 9th through the 11th. So we wish them the best of luck. And then once they come back. Starting the on Kicking September seventeenth, yeah, with a a little bit of a, a tough matchup starting off with Northern Michigan, yeah. uh, defending champs. So going to be a fun go around, and that will be at Northern with the first home game for volleyball being on September twenty third with the Anchorbone Classic. What a way Grand to start Valley off. State. So that's going Anchor down, baby. Anchor down. So make sure you check that out for sure. With the last sport on deck, the one that everybody tuned into on Thursday and was possibly in attendance for, if not checking in on your phone or on the radio, Ferris State football is back to campus, and boy, was it an electric atmosphere. <laughs> that, was, that was insane, oh, Thursday. Yeah, there were so many people. That's the most crazy. I think there's been in a while. There is, it, yeah, that was bigger than homecoming it was freshman bigger. year. Yep, it was bigger than homecoming and i think it was it might have even rivaled and upped the finley game from two years ago which was still a pretty crazy yeah. game i wonder I'm, what the number of, oh, sorry i bumped my mic there uh, i wonder how many people showed up because yeah. i know the what's the record isn't it like eleven thousand or something uh or 20, i can't 000? i can't remember i'll try to look it up but uh, the attendance for the game was i believe six thousand six hundred something if Dang. i remember what's the six hundred no, 6,625 was the official attendance marked at this game. I'll have to see if it's um, bigger than the Finley game two years ago. But fantastic game, I guess you could say the least, with the outcome. At first first drive was a little scary when we had that blown coverage TD pass right over the middle um, early on to Jake Brown. But Jared Bernhardt, man. Oh, my gosh. What an absolute Absolutely debut insane, for the former lacrosse player from Maryland, Transition to phenomenal, yeah. Football court, he had. I remember just thinking, like, wow, that's his fourth rushing touchdown. That's his fourth, that's his fourth rushing touchdown. That's his fourth <laughs> rushing touchdown. And then you toss in two, what is it, two or three passing touchdowns in with that. And then he gets the uh, Gliak offensive player of the, of the week, dude. Absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Insane. I mean, his final stats, 12 of 14 throwing the football, 218 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, that, that was kind of a... Uh, it wasn't necessarily like a bad read or anything. It was just a, it was just a shot towards the end zone. Yeah. Like a, it's, it's understandable. Yeah, but what really stood out, I believe, to everybody the most: twelve attempts, one hundred twenty yards on the ground, including a thirty-five yard TD run, ten yards average per carry. But I think the craziest thing about all of this is how many big plays were made in this game. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Yeah, huge. It, whenever we were on the field. There was a shot for it to go into the end zone. 
And I'm yeah. not saying like we threw 50 long passes. It was every play was well designed at one point to where you saw an opening and you're like, oh my gosh, she's going to break it. Oh my gosh, she's going to break one. I mean, I know there was a couple of plays that didn't didn't get to the end zone, but still went to 20, 30 yards. I know Marvin Campbell's run was one of those examples, but it was just phenomenal to see mm-hmm. all, all those big plays happen, especially in the first game back. I know Cy Barnett had that 65-yard, yeah. I think it was a 65-yard TD. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking and, of transfers of sports, Mason Plyne got a TD too. Mason Plyne got a TD in his Former first, basketball player. Yep, in his first football game. That was pretty cool. And that was a, a red zone catch, I believe, too. Yeah. So. Lethal weapon you Four got yard there. Pass. So, but it was phenomenal. I mean, we picked off Finley twice. I believe the um, the official stats um, had us with. I think it was. I believe, if I remember correctly, six hundred and twenty-five yards of total offense. That's that's a large number. That's a really large number. We we're seventy. Yeah. Well, I think one of the biggest numbers that sets or um, stood out to me. Excuse me. Eight of eleven on third down. That is not shabby at all. No, you Dude. don't. You don't really hear that too much. Yeah, because I mean, it was just a. It was a. It was so many times where you were like, "All right, it's third and four, third and five, third and seven, and we got a. We got the perfect play dialed in a pass over the middle or an outside run, and just it just seemed like everything was in the position of when we got guys in space. We could make a miss, yeah. And we saw that countless times. a lot of times, times where, where uh, I think it was Malik Mitchell and Tyler Miner would just break somebody out of their shoes, mm-hmm. like they would just need a map and they would just be gone for ten more yards. It, that's the one thing that's like is very promising, especially thinking for like if we get guys in open space, just a one on one, it's gonna most likely be a touchdown or a big play because we got guys who are extremely shifty. It's just going to—a lot of people just got to watch out because this game, especially for how big of a win we were, especially for last time, there was ex- we were expected to do this two years ago, and then we only win by one, and then to come out with a lot of people kind of saying, oh, I don't know if Ferris is going to be as good as this year. It's going to be a new quarterback, kind of going to be a little bit of a new system. I mean, we just shut down all those critics, and now to come into the next week, it's just going to be a lot more of it. I'm super excited. Yeah, and I think one thing like you that you just mentioned was that stood out to me is we played four quarterbacks, and I'm not saying that's yeah, four that, quarterbacks. Yeah, that's not. I'm not saying that's a surprising thing. I mean, we saw that last year in, or I'm sorry, two years ago in the opener against Finley, is that we played multiple quarterbacks. Yeah, we played three. But. Yeah, it does not does not surprise me at all. But the fact of like it was different almost e- almost each series. I mean, I'm obviously Jared Bernhardt got a lot of it in the first half, but I yeah. mean, still in the first half, Malik Mitchell was getting was getting drives, and I think yeah. that was very interesting to see. And I think it really comes with it's the first game in two years. We want to see everybody on the field and see yeah, what get we everyone got. back to see like where they're gonna be at. Yeah. I will say this, Malik, uh, his passing was not where it was. But, like, you can just chalk it up to first game back in a while. He did have a couple bad misses. But when he did connect, it was for some pretty big for some pretty big plays. I mean, I think he converted on a couple third downs. He had some good, uh, you know, I think, like, first and tens that he just kept on going. So when he got in, he was productive, especially with rushing. But uh, when you, uh, I don't know, it just is a great great performance from all of them, especially Jared Bernhardt, too. Yeah, I mean, and Evan Cummins getting some snaps in as well, getting seven. I believe he had seven carries as well. Marvin Campbell with four, 42 yards on the ground, as was Jeremy Burrell with 34 yards. Tyler Miner did not get as many touches as I expected. I believe only had two carries for 18 yards. But still, first game back, seeing a lot what with uh, excuse me what to work with. Marcus Taylor was was phenomenal in the mm-hmm. receiving game. Six catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. Cybernet Xavier Wade doing their things. C.J. Jefferson was also an impactful player out in space as well. Um, just seeing a lot of these guys being able to make guys miss is such a promising thing because like when we get ourselves in space with this speed offense where we have the jet sweeps, the mm-hmm. end arounds, we have those mesh mesh crosses, those deep outs, using our playmaking ability and succeeding with the execution that was kind of hoping coming in, such a good sign moving forward. I know Coach Anise is very happy about that. Oh yeah, did you see that pass to Cybarnet in the corner? Mm-hmm. Remember that? That that was that was wild elite catch, elite ball placement, elite Always. ball placement, absolutely beautiful. Uh, one thing though to mention as well, I'm Sydney McLeod also got Defensive Player of the Week. Two mm-hmm. interceptions, pretty good. What well, one? Let alone two interceptions with uh, reception returns so fantastic game for him and all the other bulldogs it was definitely great to see 
and we definitely can't wait till next week against Ashland. We'll preview that more coming up at the end of this week, probably on Thursday oh, yeah. for those matchups and more. Yeah. Yeah. Very it was a much good week. excited. Yeah, it, it was. was a great week. Uh, you want me to hit you with some scores from around the Gleek? Absolutely. Ooh, one sec. I pressed the wrong button. Do, do, do. I pressed the wrong button. My no, bad. you're good. Terrible oh, radio. The terrible one thing radio. I will say um, that was really surprising um, for um, the overall weekend, I think that was um, really cool, was the fact that we had students on campus that were going to all the games. I think that was really yeah. cool because I think you, I know everybody's primary focus was we're going to the football game. Yeah, that was understandable. Like the big one, but, but we still had attendance for yeah. volleyball and soccer, and that's really that's really promising going forward because those programs are also going way up along with football as mm-hmm. well. So they definitely deserve the recognition of yeah. the fan base. Definitely very cool. So uh, on Thursday, Wayne State was uh, played Slippery Rock. They ended up losing 24-21. Northwood also lost to Gannon in an overtime thriller, 28-21. to hmm. Kind of sucks to see. But Davenport lost to Truman, 31-14. to But Northern Michigan was able to pick up the W, 27-20. to Michigan Tech also the W against Hillsdale, 14-10. to And then Saginaw Valley uh, to wrap up the Gliac play, one against Texas A&M Kingsville, 13-9. to Thirteen to nine. Okay, very interesting games, and obviously Grand Valley did not play as well. I believe I finally found out using some of my some of my resources that they play they did not play because their original opponent had to for or had to um, postpone because of COVID. Huh. So they were actually on social media all week trying to find opponents, and they just never got anybody scheduled for this week. Yeah, so but they'll play next week. They will play next week. Then this will be their opener. Saint Pueblo. Ooh, Cisu Pueblo. Mm-hmm. That'll be a very interesting matchup. But moving up into the higher area of college won, football yeah. division one as we talked about some games coming up last week um we mentioned some big 10 games already there's a lot of good ones in action i know one of them that i was watching awfully closely there was the buckeyes and the minnesota golden gophers which was going a little interesting in the first half Minis- that was a close one minnesota had ohio state on the ropes but cj strode and that offense exploded in the second half going for 35 i, I believe it's 35 unanswered or was it 28 unanswered end up winning that game 45-31 it was close Minnesota almost pulled it out and I think that injury to Mohamed Abim was really the I think it was the just the, 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 the punch in the, the gut nail in the coffin it was the punch in the gut that really yeah. kind of took gave that Ohio State team that that run yeah well I saw that they were up and I was like well there's a possibility but I knew that uh the Buckeyes are just going to come back because most of the time they are. We've seen them. They're a pretty good second half team. They they can start off strong, but second half is really when they hit their stride. And you know, especially I mean, Ohio State now having the new quarterback with C.J. Stroud, kind of finding his reins a little bit. He did get a lot of touches last year uh, under Justin Fields, but to kind of finally have the offense under his belt, it'll take a little bit. I mean, especially not kind of having that game day speed or that game day like a uh, operation that you got to get down to, and then finally having a game. Uh, it's just kind of. You know, learning curve a little bit, but then he was finally able to find his stride, like I said. So I knew that they weren't going to be behind for a while. I knew Ohio State was still going to win this game, but Minnesota really put up a good fight, 45-31. Not too, not too shabby. Led, led in the first half, but second half, like I said, Ohio State just finds their groove. So. Yeah, we almost had it. Almost. Almost had it. The one team that did have it, Virginia Tech, pulling off the upset over the number 10-seeded North Carolina Tar Heels. Sam Howell did not Oof. impress against Virginia Tech. No. Arguably could have been the number one draft stock at the quarterback position. Might have folded a little bit on that Friday night. Threw for three interceptions, 17-32 for 208 and only one touchdown. Virginia Tech gets the upset against North Carolina at home. And I know there was some videos put on social media. That fan base was very hype after, before and after that game. And yeah. it's, it's, it's just a bummer that... That first game had to go down for North Carolina. They finally kind of built back up. This was kind of labeled as, if it's going to be the year, it's going to be the year. Sam Howell's last rodeo, like, it's going to have to be now. And just not a great way to start off because that, that loss is going to haunt them. And yeah. that could it's honestly it's knock their be playoff a, chances. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to be a deciding factor for if they're kind of on the fringe of making the playoffs. But that that picture from that game, where like they came out to enter Sandman and they did like the pan of like the student oh. section of the crowd... Every single sport, like Sports Center, ESPN, like ESPN, Barstool, everybody posts like Every college platform. football is back, and yes. they use that picture. 
dude, it was a sight for sore eyes. Let me tell you what. I was, mm-hmm. I w- I don't know. It gave me goosebumps to see all those people back, especially just watching on TV and kind of being at a game like that. I wasn't at the Virginia Tech game, but being at like Purdue and kind of being able to kind of be around like just the atmosphere of college football again and to have where like students are excited to be back, the communities are excited to be back and just have a full throttle 100%. Oh my gosh, it was insane. Yeah, it was it was just crazy to see like Virginia Tech's a good football program, but they're not like you weren't expecting LSU, them to be UNC, Bama, all those high talented programs where if you're a student on the campus of Columbus or you're on the campus in Tuscaloosa where it's it's definitely like, yeah, we're going to the football game. What kind of a question is that? They're going to win and it's going to be the most fun time ever. Like Virginia Tech is not one of those teams that comes to mind. And just to be able to see that, oh, it was just it was just a good sight to see because that, you know, that translates to all the other schools feeling that way. I know the big house was bumping. I know you mentioned in West Lafayette it was going a little crazy at the Purdue game. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. It's good to be back, and it really is good to have college football back. But one team that I think wants a little bit more time before getting into the season was Miami. Ooh, not a great play. Tied by 30, man. Yeah, first of all, uh, yeah, Devontae Smith did call that. Yeah. Um, why would you play Bama in your first game? Why would you agree to that? You're not the 2017 Miami Hurricanes anymore. It's, that was, or even the 2001 Hurricanes oh, would yeah. have been the only team that had a chance. <laughs> I know a lot of people were saying like, oh, like they're gonna be like they're it's gonna be close. Like it's not it's gonna be like maybe like a field goal difference. Mm. I was like, dude, I don't know. Like Alabama is just insane. Yeah, like, I would I, I would have said ten to four, I would have said probably ten to ten to fourteen. But I mean that's still like. I would have gave them a little bit of leeway because at the end of the day they're playing Bama. Yeah, that's it's all you Bama. have to say. Like it doesn't like you can say, Oh, they don't have Mac Jones. It's like, okay, well you could you people said that it like, oh, they don't have Jalen Hurts. Well then Tua Tagovailoa went crazy. And then they're like, Oh, they don't have Tua anymore. Mac Jones gotta step up. Now people are saying, Oh, they don't have Mac Jones anymore. It's just gonna keep on going. That's one thing I was talking with a buddy of mine, is like, should there be a cap for how many five stars you can have in a program? Oh man. Cause it it's just like it's the same thing with salary caps, you know. Yeah, I could I could see where you go there. I don't know because then but it's also co- it's like college sports, so like it's like. Yeah, I think it's. I think you like. There's I, both sides to it. Yeah, I think you in like my personal you you have to leave it open because I think at the end of the day, like yeah, you know some guys are going to Alabama strictly for football purposes, but some aren't. They want to go to that school for this certain reason yeah. or whatever, but I it's kind of hard for me to go on the the road of let's limit some of the college sports. But I think I I can understand where some people are getting to that point because I am too sick and tired of Alabama, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Clemson State, dominating Oklahoma every recruiting trail, and we're yeah. going to every college football playoff. It is annoying, so I I know that's fair, but. It's hard for me to find some sort of system that can help limit and provide that other chance. And I think the expanded playoff might be a step in the right direction. But, I mean, overall, I mean, it's just hard to dethrone a program where they've locked up Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Ryan Day, those guys, for a long term. And, I mean, I would would mention... Lincoln Riley, but he's been one of the yeah. ones that has been edgy to go to the NFL I mean, too. So, but I think yeah, I it's hard for me to get on that train, but I can definitely understand where some people are coming a, from. People can yeah, and people make the argument like now that the expanded playoff is here, it's going to be like that's the competition where it's going to be because like now it's not just those four teams making the playoffs. You'll get those teams like Cincinnati, the ones who might have a chance to beat them. But it's we've seen what happened. Like we've seen when Michigan had to play Alabama that one year, oh. and it's like Michigan's oh. a great football program but the difference of a team that has like 50 75 percent of its team is five stars compared to like you have a handful of five stars or like 10 percent 20 percent is five stars of your team it's once you get down to those big games that's where you decide i mean alabama last year destroyed in the national championship against ohio state why because they have uh their their second strings are five stars you know Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it's a, it's just basically food for thought, really. That kind of caught my eye when I was talking to talking to my buddy. So yeah, I think that's definitely. I think there should be more emphasis on recruiting guys based off of their situations. Like, 
what what kind of boggles my mind and i know that there's there's transferring policies and the yeah. portal has its own set of rules but i'm surprised that there's a lot of guys that necessarily like they turned like not necessarily like yeah obviously it's a good chance to win a, a ring but when guys are like alabama can't start all of their guys they recruit all five stars they can't yeah there's going to be guys that are going to be sitting there one two yeah. even three years we've seen it so yeah. the and fact we've seen that people transfer from there i mean when jalen hurston get the starting job he yep. transferred and that, that'll happen but it just kind of begs i mean it's only just because alabama is so good in the recruiting program i don't know it's just that's the thing is like you can make the argument that oh they'll transfer away if they don't get playing time but like the program's too, it's the too program's solid. Too good. They keep guys around. And yeah. really, until that changes, I don't know what solutions that you get. Yeah. But I think once... I guess we just got to wait for Saban to retire. Yeah. I guess that's just what has to roll, I guess. That's that's how the tide will roll, I guess. But um, I think one thing that definitely did um, stand out in this game, real quick before we get to, more some, to some other games, is both quarterbacks are were the first two guys to mega capitalize on the new NIL rules. Bryce Young on one side, that's pretty much, I think, what was it? He was like worth the contracts around like $6 million. Holy crap. And Derek King was the first guy to, I think, sign a um, seven-figure deal for the NIL with, um, I can't remember what it was. I think it was like a, wasn't it like a chick? No, he signed it with the, I believe it was a, um, one of the hockey teams, uh, if I remember correctly. You can fact check me on that, but he also didn't have a great Derek game. King's NIL deals. How much money? Okay, so he signed, yeah, with the Florida Panthers. That's right, the Florida Panthers. And it wasn't it worth seven figures? I think so. I think it was. But, yeah, just seeing both of those guys on the field after, like, the whole offseason, we're talking about, wow, these guys are worth a lot of money, just seeing them in person. But, I mean, Bryce Young did really well um, stepping in for, obviously, the newly NFL Starting quarterback Mac Jones, but and Derek King did not do as great. But still, long long season ahead. Miami still got a chance. They could try to make their way and run through and somehow win. Somehow win the ACC. I mean, you're gonna have to be Clemson on the way. But Clemson did not look too good on Saturday. They struggled offensively. Georgia's defense hounded them to a 10-3 win. In the Duke's Mayo Classic, what a great momentum booster for Georgia! Absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially seeing. I remember it was funny because like at the Purdue game, they have the the scores or whatever, and they had a mess up where it was like thirty four to zero in the first quarter, and I was like, "What?" And everybody like in the student section was talking about it, and it ended up like getting fixed, and it was like, "Okay, it's not that crazy." But for Georgia to come in, and uh, I mean, Clemson had a lot of hype around them, and then for them to basically shut them down and be able to kind of give them their first loss in a while. It's it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And here's the I think what it really comes down to. Um, both quarterbacks weren't great. Both defenses were very stingy. Obviously, you can see that from the ten three yeah. score. You didn't have to watch the game to know that. The biggest difference in this game was Georgia's front seven. It mm-hmm. truly was because they are absolutely phenomenal, and then some. They were getting after DJ Ulele all the time. I think they sacked him, I believe it was, I want to say it was seven times, I want to say, or somewhere around that seven, six, seven, eight, eight mark. But they pressured him, I got to say, over at least half the snaps. And that just that can turn your whole game plan around when you have to run around and try to make plays with your feet and just not being able to do so. Clemson couldn't even run the football. Yeah. They had... Two yards total rushing. Every time there's a hole, that o- every time that a hole opened up, it was just closed, gone, right there. You Nowhere had to, to get go. through it in like a split second, and it was impossible. Yeah, but I mean, I think you still have the opportunity to fix that moving forward. But like Clemson, like if Georgia now has the authority to put the gas, put their foot on the gas, I should say, and go into the college football playoff. They got the they got the leverage win. Yeah, as long That's as they a don't huge lose. Huge win for Kirby Smart and the Bulldogs. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, Clemson they'll probably be able to bounce back. I think they have like South Carolina the next week, next week, and then Georgia Tech and the NC State. So some pretty like not super hard opponents. So I don't think that they're going to be struggling too hard to get back in the conversation of being able to make the playoff. But Georgia now, like you said, they have the they have the the tilting the tilting decision now because they beat Clemson. They beat a good team who is top five. And now, if they can just keep on rolling and get uh, wins in the column, uh, basically throughout the rest of the season, there's no, there's really no argument of why they shouldn't be. Which I mean, 
they have a pretty good schedule right now. They got UAB, South Carolina, Georgia, and Arkansas coming up. Arkansas is going to be a little bit tough, but if they can get that going, then they'll be in a pretty solid area to get uh, up until Auburn is when it's going to be like kind of their first test of the season after Clemson. So other than that, they got a pretty solid schedule to make to the playoffs. Yeah, the three-headed monster for sure in the backfield will certainly help them in that direction. And that's really kind of, I think, the focal point of that game was giving them touches and JT Daniels working off a of play action, which did work, but not as great as I think intended to. But, I mean, with their defense playing the way, they, they didn't have to do that much to keep uh-huh. them. But um, one top-ranked team that oof, they scared some people, Oklahoma. Pulled a classic Oklahoma if you could ever put up a script of what Oklahoma is going to do in a college football game, this is exactly what you picture. They ended. They were tied with Tulane, 14-14. They come out and scored 23 unanswered points before halftime. They end up having the 37-14 lead, and they barely sneak out at home, which, by the way, this game was supposed to be at Tulane, gets moved back to Norman, and Tulane almost beats them. And they almost would have beat them without maybe a questionable call at the end of the game. You can be the judge. I won't judge that for you. They almost beat Oklahoma. Like, Oklahoma choked. They let Tulane get an onside kick in the fourth quarter. (laughs) They almost lost this game. And frankly, I will say that Tulane was really the the true winner of this game. Not necessarily on on what you see on the scoreboard, but... On the field, Tulane won this game in the second half. Oklahoma did not. And Spencer Rattler almost lost his first game as Oklahoma starter in the 2021 season. Like I said, not a big fan of Spencer Rattler. I mean, two INTs, dude, you just got to be better than that. Yeah. If you're going to, like, that's the thing. If he's, like, taught, like, he thinks he, like, we've seen, if you've watched QB1 and if you've, like, seen his attitudes in interviews, like, he thinks he's, like, the best quarterback. If you're the best quarterback, don't have two INTs against Tulane. You know what I'm saying? I would understand if it's a top 10, like, team, like Alabama or something, that has an insane defense. But you're coming in as a number one ranked team, and you're coming in with a reputation as being a quarterback who is prone to throwing interceptions. If you want to stay the number one team, and if you want to stay in that conversation, I mean, you're probably going to move down because of this game. But if you want to stay in that playoff spot and kind of secure the top, at least a top four for a solid playoff spot, then you got to kind of pick up where you're at, buddy, because you're not doing pretty solid based off this game. No, and I, th- I think Spencer Rattler, what he like, he's he was thirty of thirty nine on the stat sheet, three hundred four yards. A lot of those passes were checkdowns. And I'm not saying, like, threw it directly to his running back off the snap. They were close read throws. They were Because f- some of them were first read throws. Some of them were first read throws that went into the wrong team's hands, as you just mentioned. Yeah. So it didn't look good. Like, right now, if you're looking at the top-tier quarterbacks that are going to go in this year's draft, Bryce Young and Malik Willis are the top two now. It's not even... It's not close. Yeah. So the fact of... These guys, and it's not going to stay that way, I'm sure. I mean, Sprattler's going to have some better games, and obviously we're going to see a comeback story from Sam Howell because there's just no way he doesn't. He's, he's too good of a football player. Mm. But, like, after these first two games, like, I noticed, like, there's some things that are that I think they feel they have so much pressure on them, and I don't think that, it, I, I mean, it obviously might not be the case, but there's some times where you know, like, He's kind of trying to do a little too much. And I know Spencer Rantler, for sure, specifically, has done a couple times of that where, hold on to it, hold on to it, eh, don't throw it, interception. Like, those type of things where you need... He doesn't He doesn't have that full, ooh, I'm going to take off and run, like a Jalen or a Baker. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baker might, you can draw back a little bit. Kyler is a better example. Yeah. Kyler or a Jalen. Where he's not, he's more like Baker, and he's just going to have to learn that poise and staying patient, being a little bit more mentally tough because there were some times he got down in that game. Tulane had the best mental toughness I had seen out of any team. The fact that they had to... They could have folded and everybody would have been like, yeah, they had to move their game to away. Like, that's a complete change of flip. Against the number one team. Yeah. What are are you supposed to do? And they showed fight all four quarters, regardless getting outscored 23 zip in the second quarter. And they, they did great. So, Oklahoma did scare me a little bit. I am a little concerned moving forward. They're going to drop in the standings. They're going to get over. I think that you could see 
Georgia flipped them or Ohio State flipped them yeah. down to three or four, even even maybe five. I don't nah, I don't know. I think Clemson's gotta be five first. Then well, maybe not though. I don't know. We'll just see. But anyway, those were some of the big games. Texas A and M got the win. Oh, Iowa State almost lost to Northern Iowa. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That, that, was, was, that was a close one. Little so did Oregon. Biter. Oregon snuck out as well. Penn mm-hmm. State with a big win over 12 seeded Wisconsin, one sixteen to ten. Really a dogfight on the ground. A mm-hmm. uh, big win for Penn State and Sean Clifford and James Franklin beating Graham Mertz and the Badgers. And I think the next notable game would have been Iowa, Indiana, Iowa. No, no contest in no, this yeah. one. Just came in, did a job. Just, I was really hoping that Indiana was going to lose. I don't, I don't really like Indiana too much. Yeah, I mean, this coming from the guy that went to Purdue. Game. Hey, I mean, half my <laughs> half my extended family went to Purdue, so I guess I have to not like Indiana. But yeah, that's that's fair. But throughout the whole time, like I I was able to catch a little bit of the game before, like I was just watching on TV, and like I would just. You could just tell, like, the demeanor of the game. Like, I was in control from the start. Oh, yeah. Like, they were dominating on both sides of the trenches, and they were they really had their both games. I, I mean, their rushing attack was phenomenal. Tyler Goodson had 99 yards, one touchdown. I believe he had, like, a 50-plus yard run, I think, at one point. Yeah. And, like, he was a very good factor in that game. And, like, Michael Penix just didn't seem like the Michael Penix we saw last year. That was a borderline Heisman throw-in candidate like at some points where Indiana was marching up to like the nine spot and giving Ohio State a run for a couple quarters but this team just looks a little bit more depleted and they just really look shaken up after this game because I mean they got they got great players Ty Freifogel is one of the better receivers in the Big Ten and I mean he got his volume but after that who's next that's really the part that I think caught a lot of people because Iowa's got a pretty stingy defense. They kind of remind me of like... Well, that's what um, Iowa does, you know? Yeah. Well, Iowa reminds me a lot of the Pittsburgh Steelers, not only because of the colors, but just the way they play of their demeanor. Hard nose, smash mouth. We're going to be stingy from opening whistle to final whistle. Yeah. So they, that's just the way they play, and that's why they we've seen so many great players come out of there on the line of scrimmage, just like with guards, tackles, tight ends. That's why they all make it to the league. Is because that's what their foundations put on is that side of the fo- yeah, hard nose football. Yeah, at the line of scrimmage. I mean, we're not going to see a lot of Iowa quarterbacks in the NFL compared to tight ends. How many? Iowa tight ends, Hawkinson and Kittle are the only two you have to mention. So yeah. that, that that's just kind of the the way they play, and that's how they showed it, and that's how they beat Indiana. I mean, straight yeah. up, that's that's a, that's all the analysis yeah. you can put on that game. They we're, came, they dominated. And that's, that's about it. But I mean, did, have you mentioned uh, UCLA and LSU yet? I have not. LSU that was falling. A game. That pulled. was a game. Yeah, uh, UCLA pulling off the upset. Just a little bit of a op- eye opener, Coach O. You better figure it out. This team's not it's going five bit, and three this year. You're gonna have people calling for A uh, little bit tough from the old Burrow Burrow days. Mm-hmm. I know that's like the thing too. Is like I feel like with that national championship team, you had like so many guys that were NFL bound who went to the NFL, and it's like I don't know. It's a definitely it's gonna be a test for him this year to see like if he goes if he goes less than five hundred then he's definitely going to be or if he just goes a, a barely above 500 like maybe maybe four or five losses he's going to ha- definitely have his job uh questioned uh, for the next at least next year or the year after that yeah which is crazy cuz a normal like a regular team would be like what no he's staying another year yeah. but it's LSU it's the Tigers go Tigers go Tigers it's that team and it's a team that went to national championship two, two years ago with an with the Heisman trophy winner that's a big difference, and I think they lost a lot of guys. I feel like it kind of reminds me of like the Miami Hurricanes, like post like the two thousand to two thousand three run, where they were like so dominant, and then the next like the next couple years they came in. Everybody after that was like, "Yeah, we're Miami. Like we're gonna win." And then they wouldn't put in as much work as some of those other teams did. Yeah. It kind of seems like yeah. a similar I route with LSU. The thing. They got to the high point, and now they're kind of there. They were there for a little bit, and now it's kind of, oh, yeah, we're there. But they're not getting as much work yeah. put in, and I it's think, costing them games. I think the expectation to be at the top is not giving them what they – I'm trying to word this right away. I don't want to say, like, they expect to be at the top, so, like, they – are just going to, like, not put on any work. Because I feel like they're going to put on work. But it's, like, the expectation of being at the top gives you, like, a boost to, like, 
be better, but it's also like your choice as a player to understand like, okay, do I want to, it's like, I have this opportunity. We're at the top. We got to stay there. You either got to make the choice to work 10 times harder than everybody else. Cause that's what it takes to be at the top. Or you just continue to work just at everybody else's speed and try to and see just because you're at the top, maybe that reputation will put you over the edge and give you like a psychological edge when you go into the game. But now that it's been two years since uh, they've won the – was it two years since they won the national championship? Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. Yep. But now that it's been two years, it's like that kind of mantra of being the best is starting to wear off. And now those, those perennial powerhouses are starting to kind of take over that spotlight again like Alabama, Ohio State – and now these players have got to make a choice, and Coach O's got to make a choice of what's he going to do different coaching? What are these players are going to do different to be able to get that? They don't have Jamar Chase anymore. They don't have Joe Burrow anymore. Who's going to be the next guy? That should be their mentality going into this season. And now with this loss, they definitely got to speed that up. It's who's going to be the next guy to lead the team? Who's going to be the next couple of guys that are going to be the reason that they are able to going to be able to march down the field when there's two minutes when the game is on the line? Who's going to be the guy who can match up with somebody and say, I'm going to beat you. Give me the ball right now. And mm-hmm. I don't think they have those guys right now. Yeah, it's a it's a tough go around when you had that national prominence and now you're losing two unranked teams. It's, yeah, it's a flip of script, and I can't imagine being in that. Especially when section. you were supposed to be when so many people thought like, yeah, against UCLA you're going to roll them. Yeah, easily, right? And then to lose by eleven. Wrong. Maybe Chip lo- Kelly is the greatest coach that ever existed. Hey, shout out to Grand Valley. Remember he coached there. Yeah, isn't that so, crazy? Crazy. Life like, goes around. I don't know. Small I, that's always what I find crazy is just like all these big coaches, like they got their start somewhere. Yep. You got to start somewhere. You know, whether it be high school or whatever. But just to think that he like, he coached at, uh, I mean, that could be a niece in a couple of years. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, look where we are. We're we're in a former office recording a podcast yeah, where could we in be? our third year. We could be, like, we be, like be like Joe Rogan. Right. We can get our own Jamie. Jamie, pull cool. it up, please. Jamie, can you pull it on the screen? No. That'll be cool. That'll be the next thing. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Co-president, get us a Jamie. Okay, I got a lot of things on my plate (laughs) here first, Joe. All right. uh, One game, a last couple games to mention here. Joe got to witness the first-hand win of the Boilermakers, 30-21 over the Oregon State Beavers. Jake Plummer had a good day in the passing game, along with David Bell. It just seemed like Boiler's going to roll. Oh, yeah. Boiler up, baby. Boiler up. Um, Definitely the two games that we left for last, of course. We wanted you to stick around. First one, Michigan State. Kenneth Walker, just give him the ball. That's all you had to do at the end of this point. I mean, the transfer from Wake Forest went bananas. 264 yards, four touchdowns, and 23 carries for the Spartans, giving Mel Tucker his first win of the 2021 campaign over a very good Pat, Fitz, wow, Pat Fitzgerald-led <laughs> Northwestern Wildcats team. I can't speak right now. We're fine. Well, great yes. win for the great <laughs> win for the Spartans. I mean, it's good to see them back. I like as much as like I mean, we're Michigan fans. I like seeing Michigan State succeed. I like having the rivalry yeah. game have some some true contest, Con- yeah, competition value. You don't like it to be one sided in a rivalry game, right? Because no. then it doesn't make it a rivalry game. Yeah, Michigan State's a very valued valued institution. It's like Grand Valley and Ferris for the past couple of years. It's just been Ferris all over. Like I love going to the game, but come on. Hey, put it there. That yeah, was, that's, that's right. Beautiful. That's what I thought. Anchor <laughs> yes, down, but, baby. Yeah, great, great job by the Spartans and Mel Tucker. They played phenomenal. And I think that Peyton Thorne might be the answer going forward. Like he he played a good game. I mean, he had some he had some shakeups here and there, but I mean he 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 had to do what he had to do. And that would just give Kenneth Walker the football. That's yeah. really all he had to do. And you just let him do the rest. I mean, he's 264 yards on the ground. It's like Madden numbers, bro. You just hand him the ball and tell him what hole to go to. And that really doesn't even matter. Just give him the ball and let him do his thing. And that's really all he had to do. Yeah. Um, but our final college football game, of course, Michigan beating Western Michigan 47-14. to uh, Great job by Jim Harbaugh and really the guys in the offensive um film room they did a great job of getting all the guys in space yeah and we used our speed to make worth of it i mean blake quorum was fantastic 14 Mm -hmm. 111 and a touchdown on the ground he also had a touchdown in the air from i believe 14 yards out great job by michigan and the coordinators doing a great job of getting those guys in space because we really showed the speed of this team with quorum henning haskins and a lot of the receivers i mean Unfortunately, Ronnie Bell going down with the injury really hurt. But I think the most notable part of this one, Kane McNamara got the start, but we saw J.J. McCarthy with his helmet on the field. So that was a really cool scene oh, yeah. as well. 
Yeah, it was really cool to see. I was a little bit nervous in the first quarter when it was 10-7. I was like, okay, boys, let's start picking up a little bit. But then uh, second quarter came out, and they just really put the put the lead, or pedal to the metal and didn't really let up about it. So definitely mm-hmm. exciting. I'm ex- uh, I don't know who they play next. Uh, Washington? Yep, so that, Washington. That would be, I mean... No, super hard team, but a test nonetheless. And then we don't really have too much. I mean, Rutgers is coming up too, and Rutgers had a big win this weekend as well. So maybe they're on the map. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Wait, they didn't. Yeah, they won like what sixty-one to seven. Yeah, or something like but that. But they played like some random school. Yeah. So did North Nebraska beat Fordham. They and played, They also they lost to temp. Illinois, who lost to U University of Texas yeah. San, Rutgers San Antonio. Temple, so yeah. So, so you can't really like say can't, too much. Can't but. judge. We'll find out on the field when they play. But yeah. it was a good thing. I mean, JJ McCarthy's ridiculous throw across the field. I believe with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, that was absolutely out oh, there. It is actually pulling up on my computer screen right now. <laughs> Beautiful throw, and I'm just running down the field to, to greet um, Dalen Baldwin in the end zone. It was a really cool thing to see, and everybody was just cheering. I was like, wow, I never got that much hype for a second string quarterback. But he's the next. He's the next guy. Like next Cade, thing, after Caden McNamara, he's going to be the next guy. Oh yeah! So it's going to be really exciting. But I'm, I mean, it's going to be a fantastic next weekend of college football for sure. I mean, we got so much to come, and really these. These are all rust buster games, really. Outside of the kickoff games like Alabama, Miami, and Oklahoma, or um, um, Georgia, Clemson, these are all supposed to be rust busters. They're supposed to yeah. be those games where, yeah, we're gonna shake the rust off. I mean, Michigan did a great job of that. Unfortunately, losing Ronnie Bell and was not a part of the plan, and that really hurts. But we're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna move on because we got enough guys. We got a lot of guys that can fill in that role, and certainly will do so. Mm-hmm. So going to be good to see moving forward yeah very much uh very much positive looking uh throughout the rest of the year so yeah it's going to be fun for sure but it has been a great episode joe we appreciate all those that are listening on whatever platform you're on spotify apple Castbox, radio republic i have a bunch of them i feel like i should have these memorized by now and i just never I do I don't. I don't either. No shame either. No yeah. shame that I don't remember. Yeah, Anchor them. does the job for us, and they're a great organization, yeah. so we appreciate them. And we appreciate Bulldog Radio as well. Make sure you follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever social media you like to use. Mm-hmm. Make sure you follow them. They're a, good, they're a good group. We can attest to that as we're a part of it. And a lot of other groups as well. So Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. been a great show, my friend. Yep. Take care, everybody.